0: <laughs>
1: Bonjour and hello, welcome to the Welsh Rubby Podcast live in France. I'm your host Ben James here in Versailles. I'm joined by PA's Andrew Bolloch. Daily Mail's Alex Bywater. In a little bit, we'll have Steph Thomas speaking to the former Scarlets and Fiji prop Deacon Manu. But gents, we'll uh, we'll kick off with a little conversation amongst ourselves here in a uh, Mr. Baldock's boudoir. <laughs> Very good. The uh, <laughs> illustrious uh, surroundings. We're out here finally in France. The World Cup. It's about to begin. How we uh, how we feeling about
2: it? Well, it's it's slightly surreal, isn't it, that the game's on Sunday uh, after all the the build up. Um, yeah, it just feels like it's around the corner now, which is which is very strange. But um, we've had the first press conference for Warren Gatland today. Um, all thirty three players are fit for the Fiji game, which is which is good news for Wales. Um, it's boiling hot as well, which I think is going to <laughs> well, add an yeah. extra dimension to things. But um, overriding news from the presser today was that you know Gatlin feels they're in a, in a good place so um, it could be worse indeed um, 33
1: players fit mm, and 33 degrees yeah, that's, that's, um, that's the other thing, Boulders.
3: It's going to be a challenge, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you know, Gatlin today was quite rightly, and the players that we saw were, were talking up the training camps that they've been doing in, in Switzerland and Turkey. And the feeling is that they're ready for whatever these temperatures are going to be. I mean, it's been sweltering hot today, as we know. I, I just sense the body language with Gatlin today. I, I just, and I think he did say that he felt they were in a pretty positive place. And that was all the body language vibe as well. I think he's quite comfortable with with where they are. I think it'll be nothing like what we saw in the Six Nations. Whether it's good enough to progress deep into the tournament, we'll have to see.
1: Wales v Fiji, we always talk about 07 and the fact that you don't want to out Fiji, Fiji. Now, if ever there was a time you, I thought you didn't want to out Fiji, Fiji, it's when it's even a nine o'clock kickoff and it's 29 degrees. But Gatland almost... I'm not saying he's going to try out, feature them and play expansive rugby, but he clearly wants to push the tempo this weekend, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, so I think the first thing to point out to listeners at home is, as we've touched on, is how hot it is here. And at the World Rugby sort of press conference to open the tournament, uh, there was sort of a bit of guidance from the tournament officials that they're going to consider possibly introducing drinks breaks, so that was put to Gatlin today and he basically said he didn't really want drinks breaks he he won't argue against them if that's what World world Rugby decide but he wouldn't like them because he wants to keep the pace of the game uh, as high as possible and try and you know tire Fiji out now how you do that (laughs) is a different sort of a difficult question because as you say Ben they don't want to just start playing sevens against Fiji because there'll probably only be one winner um, but it was interesting to me. I think that he pointed out that you know there's different ways of tiring them out. It's not necessarily just running the ball and running the ball and engaging in a a tit for tat. He sort of talked about you know the kick kick kicking game as well. So that perhaps suggests to me they're going to try and look to kick, not necessarily to touch a lot, but maybe to grass and to try and you know tire them out that way and turn them that way.
3: And I think just touching on what Alex was saying there, Ben. I think. There's no doubt that Gatlin knows what's coming with Fiji. You know, he knows that they've got the the magic men like Rudrardra who can cause havoc, as we all know. But I I think he's also pretty comfortable that Wales can cope with with that. And I think fitness is going to be a big thing, you know, especially in these temperatures. And, you know, there's no doubt he's pretty happy with with where they are fitness-wise. So I think he's confident they'll cope with whatever's coming. But we have a game. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's
1: it's never a great sign when you've got players having to towel themselves off when they're coming into the press room. Um, I'm a little bit annoyed we didn't get a towel because <laughs> uh, we could have done with it um, at their team base in Versailles. I guess moving moving on from that point, the the big thing with that then is if, if you want to tire out Fiji is what do you do with team selection. I think it's no secret Warren doesn't know his best team. You know, he... he he sort of held his cards quite close to his chest throughout those three warm-up games, played different teams. We've not really seen any midfield combinations. Stick, same with the pack. W- where do we see him going when he does name his team on uh, on Friday?
2: Probably w- with a big six. I mean, one of the things that he's cited a lot is, you know, he's constantly said, I basically know how we're going to play against Fiji. So I think they'll probably go for quite a few driving line-outs and try and tire them out in the tight, I think. Um, and, you know, maybe someone like Dan Lidiot is going to be a, a key figure there, potentially. Um, how the back row looks is probably going to be quite an interesting debate, at, you know, with Tolupe Falatao, sorry. Uh looks like he's going to come straight back in. Jack Morgan's probably a shoe-in as captain, I'd say, at seven, and then that probably leaves the sixth position to be filled. So... I think Ben, you were saying just now that maybe Aaron Rainwright could play there. I could see it. Um, I don't think he's really been considered as a, a
1: six for a while now. I mean, Gatlin started him Not there since the rest, in there in the World he? Cup, really. Well, no, that's the thing, and I've always made the point that I don't think him and have ever really had a brilliant game when they played six and eight. Because if you think back to the nineteen, Fallata missed the tournament, and you're eight in that tournament with Navidi and Moriarty, weren't they?
2: Yeah, um,
1: absolutely. Yeah, but I, I don't know because. Aaron's probably changed his game a fair bit in the last few months. I think Di Flanagan sees was an eight. He's obviously bulked up a little bit, um, and he did he did go all right there in the Six Nations with Falato in in Paris, albeit in a slightly fast and loose game, which I doubt Wales want to replicate.
3: Yeah. I, I sort of think as well. I think with this game that there's so much on this game, if. if I'm not saying if they win the pressure comes off because it doesn't, but it doesn't half make life a lot easier if they if they win on Sunday. And I just wonder where he'll go down the sort of horses for courses route. So I think positive vibes today about Falatel. I think Falatel probably will start. I think you got the bigger Costello debate. I think bigger will start. I think the bench is going to be really important on Sunday because it's going to be so hot. as with 28 degrees by 9 o'clock kickoff time. So the bench is going to have a big role to play. I mean, Henry Thomas, personally, I think probably deserves a start on the back of what he did in the warm-up games. But is he better coming off the bench? And I think fitness, too. The fitness will be a big factor. So I can't see him making too many radical selections for this week because they just have to win, don't they?
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing. It is It is just a must-win game. Um we're not going to see a 6-2 or a 7-1 split.
3: <laughs> or, or
1: an
2: 8-0. No, I don't think so. I think this point about experience is quite key. Um, Jack Morgan said today, you know, he was a little bit nervous. And I think in a game like Fiji, for example, 2019, they went 12-0 down, didn't they? Yeah, they did, yeah. And I think if there's a lot of young players as talented as they are in the team, if that happened again, there could be potential for... Maybe a little bit of panic to set in. But if you've got bigger Liam Williams, Dan Lydiot, Tolupe Falato on the pitch, then I don't think that will happen.
3: I agree with that. Which, is, which is
2: why I think, you know, I'd be surprised, you know, if, if someone like Sam Costello started or Christians or, or someone like that. I think, you know, having those key figures is going to be really important for Wales.
3: And I think when Fiji obviously won at Twickenham, which is an incredible day in their history, if you watch that game back, the the weather was not very good, but a lot of Fiji's better moments were on the back of English mistakes and they fair play, they took their opportunities. So while it was a brilliant win, I, I do think the Wales have enough there to be able to cope with what's coming at them. Um, but I remember the game in Japan which which we were at and that first thirty minutes was was terrifying. I mean Fiji were literally you know, all over them, um, and Wales were hanging on for 25, 30 minutes. Um, but I, I've got a good feeling about Sunday. I know I shouldn't have a good feeling after the last 12 <laughs> months, but I, I just think they look in a much better place to me than they were six months ago. And, you know, Gatlin's already said that he pretty much wrote the Six Nations off, didn't he? Um, and now he's had this, he calls it like being a club side, doesn't he, where he's had time with them, um, and you know. But they are bad slow starters, Wales, so who knows, who knows.
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's a very good point. Um, I guess speaking generally about since we've arrived, um, what, what have we made of how, how, how Wales have... We, we've not seen them much, how they've conducted themselves, how, how they look, you know, you said it's been a tough six months, but this does feel a more relaxed Wales team, a more perhaps happy team compared to the Six Nations when, you know, we, we were there every day at the Vale waiting for strike action and just seeing a lot of sullen faces you know now we were at the, the welcome the other night and it feels a bit more buoyant doesn't it
2: yeah well it couldn't get any worse could it so um, but yeah that's certainly true I think you know Wales as they have done it for previous two World Cups I've covered them at you know distinguished themselves really with the welcome ceremony with you know the, the song obviously Calon Lan uh, Dan Bigger had the the Versailles locals eating out the palm of his hand, didn't he really with his, with his speech in French. So, you know, I think they've done everything right so far in terms of all the hospitality stuff that goes with a big tournament, like a world cup. Um, And it's just going to be interesting to see how they play now, but just picking up on what Boulder said, um, Wales under Warren Gatland, you know, their successes was always built on, you know, Supreme fitness ability not to sort of panic or go away in games and sort of stay in the contest and those were sort of the uh, overriding themes of the press and weren't they today I think yeah
3: yeah Yeah, definitely with him
2: saying you know we feel like we've got that um so yeah I think I think it probably will be enough for Wales to qualify from the group I don't (laughs) want to tempt fate there you can you can come back you can recycle this in six weeks time or whatever um, but yeah, I think I think there's reasons to be positive for for the Welsh team and and its supporters. I mean, we'll
1: hear from Steph speaking to De I'm sure we'll have a, a different opinion in a sec. But just one last thing, going back to that team welcome. You mentioned sort of two of the the people who were centre stage, um, Dan Bigger and obviously Corey Domachowski led the song. In, in in a way, it feels like maybe those two in particular are almost sort of embodying. What this tournament could be about for Wales, I think Domachowski's a new face. Who, I mean, he was up today at press, and he certainly he's added life to the right. squad, hasn't he? Isn't top, top
3: form, wasn't he? Top form, yeah. you know, making yeah. jokes,
1: and then you've got Dan, obviously someone you know well. I mean, male columnist who revealed his re- impending retirement, but because he's retiring after this tournament, he feels like very relaxed, doesn't he? I, 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 he just looks so relaxed. I feel like this is a sort of farewell tour for him, and. Maybe those are the sort of two dynamics that, that Wales can lean into to, to get some success out of this tournament.
2: I think the balance is quite nice, to be honest. It, yeah, if you look yeah, I, I
1: agree with that, yeah. Between,
2: yeah. if you look at sort of maybe the spine of the team that is experienced like Liam Williams, Dan Bigger, uh, Josh Adams, George North, Will Rowlands to a certain extent. He's inexperienced. He hasn't got that many caps, but he is a still a very experienced player. And then Talupi Falatao, interspersed with guys like Jack Morgan, Dewey Lake... Uh, maybe Johnny Williams, he could be in a contention to start in, mid, in midfield, I think. So I think there's a nice balance, to this Wales team, the feeling, the feelings that were around the camp in the Six Nations are, are in the in the past. You know, Dewey Lake is, was quite an impressive figure at the presser today, making good, a few yeah. gags, yeah. Uh, which I enjoyed. You know, he's, he seems like he's sort of taking to this role very well. Um,
3: and I think, just to touch on Alex's point there, but I think what we we are seeing a gradual changing of the guard, there's no doubt about that, in my opinion. I mean, I think some of the guys who didn't make this squad, like Joe Roberts, Max Llewellyn, they are clearly going to be big big players for Wales beyond this tournament. We know in the Six Nations that Liam Williams, it won't be available. Uh, Gareth Anscombe. there'll be other players probably who may, may retire. So it, there is a definite changing of the guards going on. But it, it seems a really happy ship. I mean, we only see what we see. But, you know, Domachowski was great at Dowie Lake was fantastic about you know we didn't play many games at nine o'clock with Bridge in sports lovely line and but they have this confidence of youth about them which I think is great and that mix between you know the very very elite experienced players and the youngsters coming through seems to be working for them really well so I, I'm, I'm genuinely really positive you know going into this tournament. Oh,
1: fantastic Um we'll speak a bit generally about the, the World Cup as a whole. But um, first, we'll hear the thoughts of someone who I think a bit more positive about Fiji's hopes. That's Deacon Manu. Steph was uh, talking to him earlier today.
0: So I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by um, former Scarlet and Fiji title prop, Deacon Manu. Deacon, how are you?
4: I'm very good, thank you. Um, yeah, pleasure to be uh, to be on here today.
0: Brilliant. So... um. Yeah there's uh it's a pretty big day on Sunday isn't it for for both wheels on on Fiji. Um you you as excited as everyone else?
4: Um yeah I think uh you know you, you look at um the matchups and the lineups um the history as well between both sides um and, and the current form so I think um not only uh the Welsh and, and the Fijians but I think that the world's pretty excited um with this match coming up.
0: Yeah ov- obviously there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of expectations surrounding Fiji, isn't there? Which hasn't always been the case. Obviously, that great win at Twickenham has, has fuelled that. But when you look at the fact that you know you got the Fijian drew playing in Super Rugby, um, obviously they changed the eligibility laws and, and whatnot, has strengthened the Pacific Island nations. Is is this, in your opinion, the the best prepared Fijian side or the strongest Fijian squad that's that's ever gone to a World Cup?
4: Yeah, I think if you um, look back, um, you know, look back uh, when I was playing in Captain Fiji in 2011, um, half the squad were basically plucked from the villages, were playing sort of local competitions in Fiji, um, with the other half playing in varying levels uh, across Europe and um, New Zealand. So looking at uh, the Fiji and Druid this year, um, been a massive impact um, the last two years, you know, think about that, that conditioning, um, that, that nutrition, the education that they were getting, I think that's... By far, this is the strongest um, side in terms of physical aspects, uh, but also knowledge as well. And I think, you know, you, you've seen that in the drua this year with a couple of pretty big wins um, across the Super Rugby. Um, and I think looking back and, you know, the experience that they have had, um, and I think that was a bit of uh, fruition when, when they came up against, a, I guess, in England that, that wasn't in form um, and they just sort of um, struck the right tune um, for, that, for that night.
0: Yeah, obviously... <laughs> There's a stereotype surrounding Fiji, it's probably unfair, that obviously they, they, we all know they've got great athletes, when the game's broken up they're, they're deadly as Wales obviously found to their um, um, to their detriment in 2007, but a lot of people say in the past the set piece and the, maybe the control at halfback hasn't been great. But if you watch the tests against France and England, their scrum was was rock solid and you know, they got, um, Caleb Munts at, um, at Fly Half, who seems to be a really good prospect. Um, what was just, what's your thoughts on, on, you know, on Fiji Scrum and their set piece in general? You know, cause, cause they look, they look quite comfortable playing quite a structured game, judging by their performances against, against the French and the English.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think they're a lot more comfortable now um, these these days with with the set piece. Um, I know that um, a lot of time and effort has been invested into that uh, and, and a lot of education, you know, seeing these players playing across the, world in the in the best competitions, I think, with the best coaches in the world um, definitely has had its payoff. Uh, and I think, you know, the line probably wasn't functioning as well as it could be. Um, that's one area that I'd look to, to really um, get some good clean ball off But I think, you know, it's grown and it's developed and it's had to really uh, when you look at world rugby and the the level that it's been at. um, In some ways, uh, a lot of the world's caught up with that that Fijian skill and that flair and the offload. Um, So that's always been part of the the Fijian side. But I think looking at that game on Saturday against England, um, I think they showed that control, as you mentioned, um, that real consistency and control where they weren't panicked, they weren't rushed, but um, they sort of felt comfortable um, being able to play that that tighter game where they were able to – um, see their options and then when the game did open up they were able to play i mean if i look back at my first game for fiji um some of the uh the, the front rows um that were starting we were wearing our uh, molded boots they weren't actually wearing studs um and just little things like that um and over the years i've, I've developed you know into a real um real uh forward pack that can take on the, the bigger teams
0: yeah um Judging by recent results, I mean, let's face it. Wales have lost a home to both Georgia and Italy in the in over the last eighteen months. You know, Warren Gatlin obviously come in come in late in the day, so he hasn't had that much time really to sort of build a squad that can really challenge at the World Cup. Um, do do Fiji expect to beat Wales? Because if you go on form, Fiji are the better side at the moment, and 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 they're higher than both Australia and Wales in in the world rankings.
4: Yeah, I think if you look at um, the, the rankings, it, it is very fickle in, in some regards. You know, teams are shooting up two or three spots and, and shooting down. So I know the Fijians would be would be proud to to where they're at, but I don't think they'd be looking too, too deeply into those world rankings. Um, with the World Cup, you know, anything goes. Um, and, and form, in, in a lot of ways, goes out, out the way. Um and I know Wales have been preparing really well. They're working really hard um, in the camps. I've um, been uh, following some of the guys that I played with um, and watching them train, you know, they're there for a purpose. Um, they're not, definitely not there to make up numbers, and especially with that side of the draw, um, Fiji won't be taking anything for granted. Um, I know that they'll have to be at the top of the game to beat the Welsh, and I know how passionate uh, the Welsh fans will be, and there'll be an extra extra person extra um, team member there on the day. So um, it's going to be a heck of a game. Um, there's going to be defence, it's going to be a big part of it, but I think that attacking skill um, is going to really showcase, uh, be showcasing in that, uh, that game.
0: So who are the who are the real danger men? I know Fiji haven't announced their team yet, but looking at their squad, who, who are the Fijian players you're really, you're really excited about watching at this World Cup and could potentially have yeah. great Wales on the weekend?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, there's threats all over the park. Um, if uh, they can continue wearing that set piece, I think that the back three are really critical um, in the Fijian game plan. I think they're big, strong ball carriers um, with that elusive skill as well. I think... Um, being able to eject their pace into that back line um, to add a, a different dimension um is going to be huge. So I think the back three, um, you know, we, we generally say that about BGNs um in general, that the backs, but I think, you know, there's a real potency. And if you look at their, their track record in Club Rugby and the recent internationals, I think, you know, the the weapons that I think we know would be most um most comfortable and starting in most international teams. Um, this is the way they're playing and, and the physicality that they bring as a as a back
0: three. Yeah. Um there's a lot been made that you know the, the World Cup draw, it it's it's almost like a two tier World Cup with the top five sides in the world, the one side and, and the rest the other side. I know Fiji won't be looking past Wales. Um but Australia have had their struggles, obviously they got they've got very good players though. And then if if whoever gets through this pool, likelihood is they they play play Argentina, England, perhaps some more Japan outside bets in that pool. Fiji have got a real chance, haven't they? If they they beat Wales, and I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but if they did beat Wales, there's there's every chance they could go deep into the competition, in my opinion, anyway.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you look back um, at 2007, um, they they really pushed uh, uh, South Africa right to the end, and that was with just a group of guys, really, Um, more than, uh, less than um, half were actually professionals then, and had the understanding and maybe the condition as well. So, you know, with that new dimension with the Fiji Drew and that investment in there, I think that that certainly has a possibility um, that they have that longevity in terms of a game playing that full 80 minutes um, and they have that condition of, of a super rugby campaign, you know, arguably the most intense um, condition you'll need for um, a rugby competition out there with the, the amount of running and high-speed running. So endurance won't be a problem. Uh, for the Fijians, if they do make it past um, those initial stages and make it out of the pool, um, I think they've got the potential to to really challenge um, through and push, as you said, right deep into the the playoffs.
0: Yeah, um, and obviously, we lot, everybody when people think of Wales, they think of rugby. Obviously, you you, you played in Wales, so you, you know you know how passionate the Welsh are about rugby. But how I know they're different different um, types of cultures, but how how big is rugby in Fiji? Can you give, can you give me um, a flavour of how how much it would mean to Fiji as a nation if if they were to to beat Wales and you know go go quite deep in the World Cup?
4: Yeah, I think you know with um, with rugby it, it is. Very similar to, to Wales in terms of the passion, but uh, with uh, I remember experience in Wales. There's, there's lots going on. There's there's the football. There's other sports, um, different things going on. But in Fiji, um, the focus is rugby. Um, there's no other really sports that take the attention away to the population, um, and it means a lot. Um, a third world country and in lots of ways and we've got we've got to remember that that this gives people hope um this gives people the, the next generation um some heroes where they can see them that may have came from the same village or the same area um and they got brought up with nothing um and to sort of give that hope to the Fijian population is is a big thing um, and the players and myself as well I never take that lightly um to be able to give hope to those those people back in Fiji that, that are struggling um that, may have not eaten that day um so yeah it's a a big opportunity for fiji putting fiji on the map um for one but really just playing for the for the people and whenever you play for the pacific islands it's it is about not playing for yourself or anything else but the people back home um and you know similar to wales um that that passion is going to be going to be amazing um i know playing against wales um is something that you know the fijians really enjoy i think it's the, the similar culture in lots of ways, and where rugby is the number one sport, um, and it's always been a, a spectacle of rugby to to be involved with.
0: And you you know you, you look at the Drua. So you know historically, obviously, um, I know there's a lot of Fijian players. You know, go go over to New Zealand and Australia to play Super Rugby, and obviously French clubs and some English clubs pick them up. But w- with the Drua, now in Super Rugby, has that has that been a big big boost for Fiji as a country as well? Because as you said, there's a lot of poverty there, and Obviously, when when French clubs sign for GM players, maybe originally they'd taken a bit of a punt, but the draw has given them a real... It's put them in the shop window, hasn't it, really? You know, it, it must it must have given young men in Fiji a bit of a boost that there's an avenue for them. They can see the avenue to the top, if it, which may not have been there in the past.
4: Yeah, there's definitely a pathway. Um, I, I'm involved with Pacific rugby players that um, look after... Um, players off the field, um, in terms of you know the full spectrum from when they're in the academy. So now they're in the academy. Um, we put a, a program together to educate them about all sorts of things about being professional and a good person, really, a good human. Um, but to have the drua there is is a real game changer because, um, as you mentioned, there is a pathway for those players to to come through. They can see it. They can see these players training week in week out. Um, they may know them from the from the same town or the same village. So. Having that there has is, is been a game changer, um, and I know Moana Pacifica as well. That um, that's been a, a big thing for them as well to give these people, um, I guess, added added hope um, and an avenue out of out of poverty in lots of ways.
0: Yeah, cause I, I was watching. Um, I think I think the the f- official Fijian. Twitter account post posted a few times on their account, you know, that Simon Raiwelu had sent, um, you know, that the players back to Fiji, you know, just so they can, because I know a lot of players obviously now playing in Europe and in New Zealand and whatnot, just to just to see what it meant to the people. I mean, that's that's quite powerful, isn't it? You know, you you're playing for for children who are in poverty, and it's it, it's it, it, it as I said, it, it means a lot, doesn't it? it? It's more than rugby for them
4: yeah it is it, it certainly is I mean uh rugby just I like, guess that vehicle um and you know that's what, I, that's what I love about rugby and I love about sport is that that vehicle to to put people in, in a different position um, for their generation or the next um, and I've seen that um, at firsthand for for a lot of people being able to provide um and as you as you know like when you when you do become a professional you don't just provide for your immediate family it's it's the whole village um so you're supporting a big network of people and they're looking for you to succeed um you know, they the living day by day paycheck to paycheck and what, what you earn. So having that's such an important important factor for these uh, players and that's plays at the back of the mind that, that responsibility um as well.
0: Yeah. So um neck on the block then. Who's uh, one word, who's who's winning on Sunday?
4: Well, I think uh, after full time it'll be twenty-five all, um, and then VG will uh just have a a late, a late surge.
1: So there we go. That's uh, Deacon Manu's uh, thoughts. I'm a bit worried about his uh, his prediction for the game, uh, predicting some last minute chaos in Fiji to win. I mean, it's just what we want as, a, <laughs> as, as Welshman and as a journalist. The last thing we ever want is not with a nine o'clock kickoff. It's last minute chaos. We don't want rewrites. In terms of the the tournament as a whole, I mean, we spent the day at Roland Garros yesterday for the sort the, the pre tournament uh, press conference. There's not a great deal of storylines ahead of the tournament, which you know, in some yeah, in some in some ways is nice. I mean, you're both probably scarred by memories of Rob Howley four <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I remember it vividly. Yes, yeah. So, yeah um, we don't talk about that anymore. Absolutely. But um, just feel you know the tournament's building up to what is a fantastic opening game, France for New Zealand on Friday night.
3: What what are we expecting from this this tournament as a whole? Go on, <laughs> well, I, I think there's obviously huge excitement. I mean, the, the phrase wide open tournament has been mentioned countless times by various people. And we, we were saying to a couple of people last night that I defy anyone to be confidently predicting each of the pool winners at the moment. You know, clearly whoever wins on Friday will will win that group. But it, it seems to me that obviously the draw, which was a bit of a chess, an old chess that it's been banging on for, for years. But that that is a factor. Um I think there's genuine excitement. I think there's one of the big reasons for that is France have got a serious chance of winning the thing. Um, you know, Friday is going to be one of those momentous sporting occasions isn't it forget rugby it's just going to be a huge sporting event they've got the Olympics and the Paralympics next year so it's a monumentally big 12 15 months for, for this city Um I think you know you never know with World Cups do you I mean there's been some good ones there's been some bad ones but this is to me it's in an amazing country uh, they'll go mad for it Um if France start with a win on Friday this place will go bonkers so I think yeah I'm I'm very upbeat about it and you know just needs to be a bit cooler, doesn't it? It's too warm, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Because the the draw just...
1: Obviously, you know, it's a product of COVID and organising a tournament with the pandemic, and it it has been criticised for three years, but it does also make it fascinating, doesn't it?
2: It does, and I think, you know, we were talking about this today. It's been a talking point for such a long time now, but now we've got, what, three days until the first game? I think it's just time to park it, really. There's not much point saying oh the draw was wrong or whatever you know that might that may well be true and it it, it was wrong really but it's happened now so it's not going to be changed and like you say the the top half of the draw is impossible to predict because of how competitive it is and the bottom half is equally as hard to, to call because of how tight that is um and what, and what is it, you know, I think, is it, is it Fiji who are the top-ranked team in, in Pool C? They're yeah, above they're Australia. They are, yeah, seventh, yeah. 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 And Wales. Yeah. And Wales? Yeah. So you'd, you'd never have said that, would you, you know, a year or, or two ago. So it's all up in the air. And I think uh, Dan Biggers made this point, Warren Gatlin's made this point about momentum. Wales are a momentum team. So if they do get that first win, they then play Portugal, which they are going to win, aren't they, really, regardless so if they can beat Fiji, they're almost certainly going to be two from two, and then they go into the Australia game, then which is obviously a, a massive game as well. But they're being pretty good, Nick. Then so yeah,
3: and I, it's a bit of a cliche, Ben, but I I, I really hope that that rugby is the winner because heaven knows there's some amazing players out there in the next four, five, six weeks that we're going to see and enjoy watching play. You know, we all know about the disciplinary issues, the high tackles, the red card, yellow cards, the sighting process. You know, everything seems to be in place for it to be an amazing tournament. But I just hope that we don't get it overshadowed by, you know, some ridiculous disciplinary outcomes and, you know, um, sagas that seem to go on forever. Let's just, you know, get it going on Friday with what should be an absolute blockbuster and then, you know, let's just enjoy it for what what it's going to be.
2: The sport needs it badly. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, we talk about sort of the bigger picture and actually, I don't really think, obviously, you know, the supporters of each country will want their team to win or whatever but I think for the good of the sport as the whole, it really needs, you know, a tournament that captures people's imagination with the quality of the rugby. I mean, you know, obviously, in Wales, there's, we don't need to repeat what's gone on in in Wales in the last season. In, in England, we've seen three Premiership teams go bust. You know, it's actually nice to be in a thriving rugby country, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that shouldn't. You know, France is obviously in a great place with their rugby, but across the game, there's a lot of trouble. So I think we really need the sport to deliver, and hopefully, well, I think there's so many exciting young players that can light up this tournament. The next generation, you know, Lewis Wizamet, Kanan Moody. Hopefully, Marcus Smith gets a run.
3: They're everywhere, aren't they? You know, yeah, every country has probably got two or three. You know, and even uh, if
2: you look at the develop, you know, Georgia and really, N- 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 what a player he is. Um, so it's exciting. It's exciting. Can't wait for. It. Can't wait for it to start now. Really, it's, we've still got like sort of four days of build up. But it'd be nice if it started tomorrow. To be honest. <laughs>
1: yep. Um,
2: I guess we'll just finish then with,
1: well, the woke up winner. That's the the old neck on the block, and and maybe uh,
3: the surprise package. Well, I, I'm I'll just jump with my winner. I I, I stuck with them. I'm going to say France, with the caveat that in 2007, when they were the host nation, they horribly failed to handle the pressure and the expectation. Lost their opening game to Argentina comfortably, and never really recovered, even though they got to the semi final. I'm just going to stick with France because I think if they do beat the All Blacks on Friday, that momentum is just going to be almost unstoppable. In terms of a surprise package, I think, you know, could go down the route of of Fiji, but would that be a surprise? I I don't know. Um, I think we'll see some good stuff from Italy as well. They, and they're in a hell of a group with France-Indies and they're not going to qualify, are they? But I think they'll play some good rugby in probably both of those games against France and the All Blacks. And they, too, seem to have a really finally settled combinations now with what they want to do. Um, obviously, Crowley's going after the World Cup, which is the same old story with them. But it'll, it'll be tough, I think, to go outside of the of the heavyweights you know, in terms of a winner. But I'm going to stick with France, basically.
2: Yeah. My winner is South Africa. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would say that, obviously on the back of the All Blacks game. What, having dealt with them a little bit ahead of them playing Wales, I thought it was really quite ominous that their their camp was basically saying we're stronger now than we were in 2019. Now they won in 2019, and if they feel they're stronger now, I think that spells a little bit of trouble. Um, we all know about, you know, the strength of their forward pack and the physicality they bring. And I think a lot of teams are going to struggle with that. With France, I just wonder if the injuries and the weight of expectations are going to go against them. Obviously, there's Untermax out, which we've covered, but Paul Valemse as well. Yeah, I think, Big you loss. know, no one's talked about him and he's a massive loss. So. You shouldn't be down here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're gone. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah. So I will go with South Africa and. In terms of a surprise package, seeing as we're on the we're focusing on Wales, Welsh rugby, I just think Jack Morgan's going to have a great tournament.
1: I'm good. not sure,
2: you know, he might not be a surprise package so much in terms of obviously Welsh fans, but if you asked a lot of people in global rugby about Jack Morgan, a lot of people wouldn't know who he is, and I think he is he's going to have a big tournament.
1: Well, no, he's only been playing Test Rugby 18 months, is not he? And, you know, didn't go to South Africa last year because Wayne Pivak didn't rate him.
2: This could be the moment he really explodes on, on the I global stage. I just think state. he's quite an impressive guy. And, you know, he doesn't say too much, does he, with words? But he does his talking on the the pitch and the fact that he said he's a little bit nervous today I think is probably a good sign for him you do see a
3: bit of the young Warburton there don't you from 2011 in New Zealand where Sam came on the scene and none of us really knew who he was and look how he took to it you do see a sense a little bit of that but yeah I agree with Alex Morgan he's an impressive guy he's a really impressive guy absolutely
1: and we'll be following his uh, progress closely over the coming weeks so there we have it that's the podcast done Uh, Us three are going to go find an ice bath before our dinner reservations, I think. But if you've enjoyed the pod, uh, do make sure to uh, subscribe and to, uh, to leave a review. And for all the latest news and updates from the World Cup, you can catch it all on Wales Online.